Chapter 7 of War by Pierre Loti. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patrick McAfee. War by Pierre Loti. Translated by Marjorie Laurie. Chapter 7 the flag which our naval brigade do not yet possess, December 1914. At first they were sent to Paris, those dear sailors of ours, so that the duty of policing the city, of maintaining order, enforcing silence, and good behavior might be entrusted to them. And I could not help smiling. It seemed so incongruous, this entirely new part which someone had thought fit to make them play. For truth to tell, between ourselves, Correct behavior in the streets of towns has never been the especial boast of our excellent young friends. Nevertheless, by dint of making up their minds to it and assuming an air of seriousness, they had acquitted themselves almost with honor up to the moment when they were freed from that insufferable constraint and were sent outside the city to guard the posts in the entrenched camp. That was already a little better, a little more after their own hearts at last came a day of rejoicing and glorious intoxication when they were told that they were all going into the firing line. If they had had a flag that day, like their comrades of the land forces, I will not assert that they would have marched away with more enthusiasm and gaiety, for that would have been impossible, but assuredly they would have marched more proudly, mustered around that sublime bauble, whose place nothing can ever take, whatever may be said or done. Sailors, more perhaps than other men, cherished this devotion to the flag, fostered in them by the touching ceremonial observed on our ships, where, to the sound of the bugle, the flag is unfurled each morning and furled each evening, while officers and crew bear their heads in silence, in reverent salute. Yes, they would have been well pleased, our naval brigade, to have had a flag wherewith to march into the firing line, but their officers said to them, you will certainly be given one in the end, as soon as you have won it yonder. And they went away singing, all with the same ardor of heroes, all, I say, not only those who still uphold the admirable traditions of our navy of old, but even the new recruits, who were already a little corrupted, no more than superficially, however, by disgusting anti-military claptrap but who had suddenly recovered their senses and were exalted at the sound of the German guns. All were united, resolute, disciplined, sobered, and dreaming of having a flag on their return. They were sent in haste to Ghent to cover the retreat of the Belgian army, but on the way they were stopped at Dixmude, where the barbarians with pink skins like boiled pig were established in ten times their number and where at all costs a stand was to be made to prevent the abominable onrush from spreading farther. They had been told, The part assigned to you is one of danger and gravity. We have need of your courage. In order to save the whole of our left wing, you must sacrifice yourselves until reinforcements arrive. Try to hold out at least four days. And they held out twenty-six mortal days. They held out almost alone, for reinforcements, owing to unforeseen difficulties, were insufficient and long in coming. 
And of the 6,000 that marched away, there are today not more than 3,000 survivors. They had the bare necessities of life and hardly those. When they left Paris, where the weather was warm and summery, they did not anticipate such bitter cold. Most of them wore nothing over their chests except the regulation jumper of cotton, striped with blue, and light trousers with nothing underneath on their legs, and over all that, it is true, infantry greatcoats to which they were unaccustomed and which hampered their movements. For provisions, they had nothing but some tins of confiture de singe. Footnote number one. Military slang for tins of preserved meat. End of footnote. Naturally, no one was prepared for what was practically isolation for 26 long days. In the same circumstances, ordinary troops, even though their peers in courage, could never have been equal to the occasion. But they had that faculty of fighting through common to seafaring men, which is acquired in the course of arduous voyages in the colonies, among the islands, and thanks to which a true sailor can face any emergency, a special way with them, after all, so natural, and moreover so merry withal, so tempered with ingratiating tact that it offends nobody. Well, then, they had fought through. For after those three or four epic weeks, in which day and night they had battled like devils, in fire and water, the survivors were found well-nourished, almost, and with hardly a cold among them. The only reproach which I heard addressed to them by their officers, who had the honor to command them in the midst of the furnace, was that they could not reconcile themselves to the practice of crawling. Crawling is a mode of progression introduced into modern warfare by German cunning, and it is well known that our soldiers have to be prepared for it by a long course of training. Now there had not been time to accustom these men to the practice, and when it came to an attack, they set out indeed as ordered, dragging themselves along on all fours, but promptly, carried away by their zeal, they stood up to get into their stride, and too many of them were mown down by shrapnel. One of them told me yesterday, in the words I now quote, how his company, having been ordered to transfer themselves to another part of the battlefront, but without letting themselves be seen, walking along, bent double, at the bottom of a long interminable trench, were really unable to obey the order literally. The trench was already half full of our poor dead comrades, and you will understand, sir, that in places where there were too many of them, it would have hurt us to walk on them. We could not do it. We came out of the ditch and ran as fast as our legs would carry us along the slope of the parapet, and the Boches, who saw us, made haste to kill us. But, he continued, except for trifling acts of disobedience such as that, I assure you, sir, that we behaved very well. Thus I remember some officers commanding sharpshooters and some officers of light infantry who had witnessed the battles of the Marne and the Aisne. Well, when they came sometimes to chat with our officers, we used to hear them say, Our soldiers, they were brave fellows enough to be sure, but to see your sailors fighting is an absolute eye-opener all the same. And that town of Dixmoud where they contrived to hold out for 26 days, became by degrees 
something like an anteroom of hell. There were rain, snow, floods, churning up black mud in the bottom of the trenches, blood splashing up everywhere, roofs falling in, crushing wounded in confused heaps or dead bodies in all stages of decomposition, cries and death rattles unceasing, mingling with the continual crash of thunder close at hand. There was fighting in every street, in every house, through broken windows, behind fragments of walls, such close hand-to-hand -hand fighting that sometimes men were locked together trying to strangle one another, and often at night, when already men could no longer tell where to strike home, there were bewildering acts of treachery committed by Germans who would suddenly begin to shout in French, Cease fire, you fools! It is our men who are there, and you are firing on your own comrades. And men lost their heads entirely, as in a nightmare from which they could neither rouse themselves nor escape. At last came the day when the town was taken. The Germans suddenly brought up terrific reinforcements of heavy artillery, and heavy shells fell all round like hail. Those enormous shells, the devil's own, which make holes six to eight yards wide by four yards deep. They came at the rate of fifty or sixty a minute, and in the craters they made there was at once a jumbled mass of masonry, furniture, carpets, corpses, a chaos of nameless horror. To continue there became truly a task beyond human endurance. It would have meant a massacre to the very last man, moreover, without serving any useful purpose. For the abandonment of that mass of ruins, of that charnel house, which was all that remained of the poor little Flemish town, was no longer a matter of importance. It had resisted just the necessary length of time. The essential point was that the Germans had been prevented from crossing over to the other bank of the Isère, at a time when, nevertheless, all the chances that seemed in their favor, the essential point was this especially, that they would never at any time cross over now that reinforcements had arrived to hold them up in the south, and now that the floods were encroaching everywhere, barring the way in the north. On this side, the barbarians' thrust was definitely countered, and it was our naval brigade, who almost by themselves, unwavering in the face of overwhelming numbers, had there supported our left wing, though losing half of their effective and 80% of their officers. Then they said to themselves, those who were left of them, Our flag! We shall get it this time! Besides, officers in high command, touched and amazed at so much bravery, had promised it to them, and so had the head of the French government himself, one day when he came to congratulate them. But alas, they have not yet received it, and perhaps it will never be theirs, unless those officers in high command, to whom I have referred, who have partly pledged their word, intervene when there is yet time, before all these deeds of heroism have fallen into oblivion. For God's sake, give them their flag, our naval brigade. And even before sending it to them, it would be well, methinks, to decorate it with the cross. P.S. Last week the Naval Brigade were mentioned at the head of the Army Orders of the Day, 
for having given proof of the greatest energy and complete devotion to duty in the defense of a strategic position of great importance. End of chapter 7 Recorded by Patrick McAfee, Chicago, March 30th, 2011